Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the overtime thriller over UCF. We'll also get you ready for home games this week with Tulane and Temple. And we'll be joined by longtime Shock the Beat writer Paul Solentrop. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor, I feel we could do this entire show on the last four minutes of this UCF game in overtime. The Shockers prevail 93-88 to in overtime at the under-four timeout. They're down by eight points. He had just banked in a three. Al Tariq had had an air ball. Things look bleak. The Shockers come rushing back, could win things in regulation, ends up going to overtime. They get down by as much as five points, but then they win by five points. Tyson Etienne has a career-high 29 points. Uh, he's now the conference's leading scorer at 17.6 points per game. A lot of big plays made on both ends of the floor. You know, in in what was an up and down game because it looked like you know they had uh, maybe gotten a little rusty in that break at the beginning. Defense didn't always look the best, but they found a way to win and a little roundhouse magic, as you had in your story at Kansas.com. Your thoughts overall on this big time shocker overtime win? Yeah, I think they they broke the curse of you know the banked in three. It seems like whenever a team banks in a three to go up, you know, extend the run, that's almost always a sign to that team that, you know, that, that team's going to win. So, uh, I mean, I, that was, I think that thought through everyone's head when that Bankton three goes in and then all three comes down quick trigger air balls, the three, they, they go into that the under four timeout, no momentum down eight, you know, playing defense coming out of the timeout. I mean, they look dead in the water and, uh, yeah, just so impressive for the, for this group to, you know, be able to, to, uh, you know, come up with uh, the stops needed and kind of like what uh, in our uh, conversation coming up with Paul, I mean, we kind of talked about just how perfect you have to be, you know, when you're down eight with that that few amount of time. So, um, yeah, the Shockers, uh, they, they switched to kind of a three-quarters press defense, uh, kind of a, a trapping defense uh, where they, they aim to kind of let um, – they let UCF kind of dribble up close to half court, and then that's where they trapped. They wanted to use the sidelines as kind of an extra defender, take away the middle, make them throw skip passes, and that really bothered UCF. And uh, they had six possessions after they took that eight-point lead. Five of them ended in turnovers. So uh, the Shockers came up with exactly what they needed. And like you said, I mean, they reel off an 11-to-1 run, and they probably should have won that game in regulation because, uh, I mean, they, they just did not close that game out, had a, a missed opportunity um, to close that one out in regulation. And then uh, Tyson Etienne obviously had that three uh, little kind of, little mess up on the, the execution of that last second play. But, uh, yeah, and then the Shockers, they look like, uh, once again, no energy, down five, uh, time running out in overtime. And Monty Jackson, he was a big part of, you know, bringing that energy. He was crucial in the end of regulation and in the end of overtime he was uh, kind of the, the central figure and and bringing that energy breathing life back into the shockers so i thought he deserved a lot of credit for for that win and yeah i mean that was a wild 
you know, roller coaster of a game where, you know, WSU looked like they were done for uh, two separate times, two separate times. And for them to come back and, and win that in overtime, very impressive uh, for them. And, uh, you know, really key win, you know, when you look at it in the, in the race to stay near the top of the American, now they're, they remain in second place and, you know, teams around them keep taking losses. So, you know, that, that ended up being a really big win. Yeah, we've seen SMU take a couple losses. We've seen Memphis take a loss. Tulsa's now kind of catapulted back up into that upper tier of the conference. And so it was so big to, you know, get this win, particularly on your home court. There were 14 lead changes in this game. UCF, if you remember, had lost five of six games coming into this, but they have a lot of talent. They were right there with the Shockers. They shot 57% from the field. They were plus five in rebounds. And so we'll probably talk more about, you know, why the Shockers continue to struggle particularly on the defensive rebounding on the glass but here's the biggest stat in the game they forced 23 UCF turnovers they were plus 23 in points off of turnovers there were five shockers in double digits and as you mentioned Monzi Jackson coming up big he scores five of his 13 points in overtime he had eight rebounds and in your story you talked about how coach Brown said they just didn't have a lot of energy on the court and if there's one thing Monzi might not always make the right move on the basketball court but he plays with such a high energy level so talk about what you saw from his game yeah, and that's yeah, that was yeah. The gist of uh, Ib's quote was that it doesn't always execute, but you know, you know, no matter what, he's going to bring you know an incredible amount of energy. And you know, when WSU had to really ratchet up the pressure and kind of bring that that manic energy, you know, I don't think there's anyone better on this roster that describes manic energy than Clarence Jackson. And you know, even if you just watch him, if you watch him before the games when they huddle up before on the court. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of in the circle, you know, Monzi's over there running around them in a circle, you know, chanting, and he just has so much energy. It's like, he can't stand still. He has to run around everybody. So, I mean, he was just the, you know, the perfect player at the perfect time for WSU. And um, I think IB deserves a lot of credit because, you know, um, Monzi was actually dealing with a kind of a back injury that was, you know, limiting him. And he only played, you know, an average of eight minutes in the, the five games previous to this one. So, for IB to trust him down the stretch uh, of a very important game uh, says a lot about, you know, just his gut calls. I wrote a story about IB last week on, on what, um, you know, life was like as a head coach and, you know, the biggest challenges of, of moving over from assistant to head coach. And one of the big things he talked about was uh, making those split second decisions where, you know, as an assistant, you're just kind of throwing out suggestions. You don't have to, you know, actually make that, make that decision in the moment. So, that was one of those decisions that I thought IB did a really good job of. He had a good feel for it. And, uh, you know, Clarence Jackson, I mean, he delivered. I mean, he was a key, like I said, a key figure in turning that game around. Uh, you know, uh, he didn't always, you know, cause the turnovers, but he was just part of that uh, increased, um, you know, pressure that the, the defense uh, used to kind of make UCF uncomfortable and led to a lot of those turnovers. So. Uh, and plus he had, you know, three offensive rebound putbacks, uh, you know, in down basically in crunch time and then overtime. So, um, yeah, he was, he was huge. And I thought IB, I mean, he, he deserves a lot of credit for a lot of the decisions he made in this game, uh, you know, putting in Monzi Jackson, switching to that defense and kind of a funny backstory on that defense is that um, they actually installed that, uh, uh, installed that defense 65 is what they call it. Um, they installed it after the Memphis loss. Uh, you know, they go up there, get beat by 20. They watch the film 
They look what Memphis did to them on defense that made WSU so uncomfortable. They said, hey, they're just trapping us, you know, near the sidelines, near half court. Why don't we do that? So the, the idea to do that defense actually came from Memphis. And in that nine-day layoff, uh, WSU practiced it. They, they installed that defense. And uh, and IB, you know, at the, the time was right for, for him to switch to that. So I think the WSU coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for, you know, having that in the pocket and, uh, you know, be, be, I mean, coaching is so much about just borrowing plays from other other coaches and kind of putting your own twist on things. So I think that's just an example of uh, WSU kind of taking something that you know worked for someone else and, and using it to their advantage. So, and then uh, he, he drew up a couple of really good plays for uh, Tyson Etienne too uh, down the stretch when WSU absolutely needed a basket. Um, UCF had a really big you know six foot eleven guy that was killing them on the other end. But, you know, on the other end, you have to make him defend, and he's very uncomfortable guarding the perimeter, you know, playing help defense. So when you designate a screen for Tyson, that put the big guy in a help situation that he's not used to doing, and that's what allowed Tyson to get open on a lot of those. You know, he had the big uh, big three down the stretch in regulation and then the go-ahead three in overtime. And both of those screens from you, Desdai, help defense was late because the big guy wasn't, you know, isn't, isn't able to make that read that quick enough and get out there to help. So um, really good job, I thought, by IB and the coaching staff down the stretch. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it all started with, you know, putting in Monty Jackson. Though. I mean, that, that was the spark. The Shockers are now 5-1 and one in games that have been decided by five points or less. They're 2-0 in overtime this season. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Tyson for that. Comes up with big shots late in the game. He was named the AAC Player of the Week for the second time this season today. Also the fastest Shocker to 100 threes. He does it in six games quicker than Landry Shamit did. So he did it in 44 games. Landry did it in 50. So just, you know, Tyson's been playing unbelievable all season long. And, you know, I mentioned UCF had a lot of talent, but this would have been considered, in my opinion, a bad loss at home. But I also like the fight that the team showed, and, and both teams I felt like were chirping back and forth a little bit at each other, and it just showed like, you know, the, these guys are, are ready to go out and compete, and really outside of that Memphis loss, which hopefully they got out of their system now, every single game this year has been close. Yeah, I mean, that speaks to the depth, and we talked about that coming into the season, that, you know, the American outside of Houston who looks like a bona fide top 10 team. And they've kind of proven that um, not a lot of, you know, uh, separation in my opinion from two to, you know, probably up to eight or nine. And, um, you know, there's probably a little separation there at the bottom, but, you know, there's a lot of teams in this conference that can go toe to toe and, and win on any given night. And, you know, UCF, they came in with a, you know, two marquee non-conference victories. So they certainly had the talent to, um, to, to get wins in this conference. And they showed, you know, uh, WSU, uh, you know, going to Coke Arena, uh, you know, shooting as well as they did. I think they shot 57% from the floor. So they have some serious offensive talent. And I thought WSU actually did a, you know, a good, it's kind of ironic because WSU did a pretty good job on their two, you know, main scorers, Darren Green and, um, and Mann kind of got loose at the end. But Darren Green was the one that kind of really hurt them in the past. And, limited him to eight points, but then, uh, you know, you let the two freshmen go off and Dre Fuller off the bench had a really good game for UCF. So yeah, they, they're deep and talented and they're like a lot of teams in the American that, you know, there's just so much talent in this league that you can't take any night off. You got to bring, you know, a C game is not going to get the win of very many nights in this conference. So you have to play well and 
and yeah, you know, Tyson Etienne, I mean, you just can't say enough about this guy. I mean, I think he is firmly in that conversation for player of the year in the American athletic conference. He's proven that, you know, I know it's just seven games in the conference play, but man, he has been so good for WSU. It's so important for the shockers too. It seems like every single time they need a big basket. You know, they're looking to Tyson. The defense knows it. Everyone in Coke arena knows it and they still can't stop it. So, you know, Tyson has really taken his game to another level this year. Officially leading the conference now in scoring at 17.6 points per game. The Shockers are Kinpom ranked number 79. They're alone in second place. But if we look at some not-so-good stats from the game against UCF, UCF's bench outscored the Shocker bench by 22 points. We had Monzi Jackson's 13. Craig Porter had two points, and that was it. The Shocker bench had 15 points in the game against UCF. We talked about the starting lineup and should we change things up. They really carried the water for the Shockers on uh, Saturday at home. Your thoughts on uh, maybe uh, some of the lack of production from some of those bench uh, players this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ricky Council had a lot of good looks, uh, you know, looks that had gone on, gone down uh, a lot this season. I uh, kind of written in the past about just how well he was finishing around the rim and then you know what do you know i mean he misses probably three of those three or four of his shots right at the rim so yeah just one of those games where it didn't go down for ricky but you know important thing is you know watching him on the bench you know he's probably one of his worst games so far as a shocker he's still into it he's still cheering on his teammates he's still you know so emotionally invested in this game i think that kind of speaks to just you know this shockers team this year and how how much of a family they are and uh, and just how, how in it they are together. And that, that's the thing that kind of strikes me from watching them from afar. But yeah, kind of an unusual game. Uh, you know, Mo Udeze, you know, another, he's quietly putting together a really, really good junior campaign scoring-wise. And it's kind of a, uh, you know, uh, an interesting game. I mean, you look on the offensive end, 18 points, eight and nine shooting. I mean, you, you'd love those numbers. I mean, that's, uh, that's really, really good. But on the defensive end kind of got exploited, you know, in those uh, ball screens and pick and roll and, you know, left the freshman big guy uh, on UCF. That was a career night for him, 17 points. So, um, but I mean, and then on the flip side, I mean, he takes those two crucial charges in the, in the closing minutes that were huge for WSU to get the ball back. So, um, and then, you know, Dexter Dennis, you know, uh, I thought there were certain things that he did really good job. I mean, obviously the defense, once again, uh, in the press, he was crucial. Uh, I thought he, he drove and finished pretty well. Maybe one of his better games, driving and finishing, got to line eight times. But, man, he's getting wide open looks on threes, and it's just so far off the mark. And uh, It's almost know, disrespectful are, the UCF you know, defense was just allowing him complete open looks, giving him five, ten feet or so. I think one was a miscommunication, but, I mean, teams are just leaving him open right now. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, uh, I mean, you look at the numbers, and the numbers say, well, I mean, that's, that's not the worst thing in the world. He's shooting 22% on threes now. And, man, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. I mean, it's obviously – you know, it's got to be in your head at some point. So um, I noticed after the game, Dexter was one of the players that stayed on the court after the game as was working on his shot. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, he had a good game in other areas, but, you know, shooting a three, 0 for 6, just, that's not going to get the job done, and especially on the quality of looks that he is getting. I mean, uh, it's just so confusing that, I mean, a guy that was a pretty much a 40% three-point shooter is missing this poorly on, you know, wide-open looks now. and 
uh, I mean, I mean, we've seen this before. I mean, he's had slow starts to the season, but hey, it's you know, it's February now. We're almost to the postseason, so at some point, he's going to have to turn it around. I know WSU coaching staff; they're they're still very confident that that forty percent three point shooter is still in there. And you know, all that matters now for the Shockers. I mean, they've gotten to this point nine and four, five and two in the conference with him being a twenty two percent three point shooter. So uh, they're just going to tell him, hey. You're zero for zero. The the rest of your season starts now. If you can shoot 40% from here on out, that's huge for, for WSU. So I think that's the way they're going to go about it. You have two home games with Tulane and Temple this week. If I'm looking at the American schedule, uh, SMU plays Tulsa. UCF plays Memphis twice this week, including tonight. So, you know, I I think the hope has to be that the rest of the middle of the pack here kind of beats up on each other and the Shockers are able to kind of get a little breathing room here, uh, particularly this week with two winnable games at home. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule, I mean, it sets up pretty favorably for, for WSU and uh, you know, Memphis has three losses. You know, Tulsa, SMU have four losses now. Uh, you know, USF, I mean, they haven't played very many games, but they have three losses. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're already starting to create some separation. Like you said, I mean, if they can hold serve at home, uh, which is, you know, the expectation around here, then you're looking at, at uh, you know, a seven, seven and two conference record. That's put, that puts the pressure on other teams to, you know, stay in that hunt. and. Uh, you know, the longer, uh, you know, they can just keep winning. And, uh, you know, obviously the meat of their schedule is coming up. Um, so they're going to have a lot of tough games coming up here in February. But if they can get off to a good start, that puts so much pressure on other teams uh, that, that that could have an effect on, you know, games later in the season. So, uh, you know, right now Memphis is up double digits already on UCF. So it's looking like they're going to, you know, win that one. But, um, you know, it's looking like Memphis, Tulsa, SMU, that's going to be the, you know, the, the teams that are going to be fighting for, you know, the, the top of the conference and obviously Houston. I mean, that's the team, everyone, you know, they're looking like a, you know, top 10 team, like I said. So, um, I think this is a race for second place, but you never know, you know, if WSU can win that one at home over Houston and that's a, a brand new ball game, but they have a lot of tough games coming up uh, on the road and you still got to play SMU twice and uh, play Memphis again. So. Uh, it's going to be an entertaining end to the season. I just hope we can get these games in. Just a little interesting tidbit I uh, read today. Houston was actually looking at scheduling a game with Gonzaga this weekend in like Salt Lake City or something like that. But then I, I believe Gonzaga is going to go and play Tennessee now. So it's almost like it's... Uh, you know, like the video games, it's an open date. You can just decide whatever you want if you're just trying to get in games these days. I wanted to throw this at you. So they play Tulane and Temple at home this week, both very winnable games. That's also the last two games of the conference season. They're at Tulane on March 3rd, and they're at Temple on March 6th. If I'm Coach Brown and the Shockers, I'm like, hey, let's just stay in Wichita and play two here. Like, let's let's knock as many of these games out right now as we can and uh, try and help, uh, you know, open some some dates to get the rest of those games in. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. And uh, I haven't heard anything on what the American is considering doing, or um, but that's a, that's a great idea that, you know, start to open updates because other teams, you know, WSU obviously has, you know, two floating out there right now. Uh, a team like Cincinnati, though, I think Cincinnati had six games postponed. So, I mean, they're running out of time to get all those games in. And I think you're, you're just going to need to manufacture open dates somehow. So that's, that's a great idea. If you just say, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll play two, you know, play Wednesday, play Friday, and then uh, Sunday and a Tuesday or something like that. So, uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to get creative if they want to get all these games in. Uh, but that remains to be seen. You know, maybe they're they're just going to you know start canceling some of these that they can't get in. And like I said before, maybe they just sort the conference standings by winning percentage at the end of the year. Another reason why the Shockers need to rack up as many wins as possible. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Paul Solentrop, who covers Shocker Athletics for Wichita State Strategic Communications. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We're joined now by Paul Solentrop, who covers Shocker Athletics for Wichita State Strategic Communication and Roundhouse News. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. It was an exciting overtime thriller this past Saturday at Coke Arena, Wichita State 93, UCF 88. Your story at the Roundhouse News talked about Monzi Jackson and the energy he was able to bring to the team, certainly in the last four minutes of uh, regulation in the overtime period. Talk a little bit about kind of what Coach Brown had to say about him and, and really the game as a whole. Yeah, he was one of several people that really contributed to you know, the defense in the last four minutes that they have four straight turnovers at a time where you really, you know, when you're down eight with four minutes to go, you've got to be pretty close to perfect over the last four minutes. And boy, defensively, they really did a, did a nice job. I think they had a shot clock violation, two charges that Morris Udeze took and, and one steal, if I'm remembering that correct. And Monzi was a big part of that. I think all of them were really scrambling and playing defense and Morris was kind of the back line and, that was, uh, you know, that was much needed, and it really just kind of froze UCF. They didn't didn't respond well at all. Yeah, it seems like uh, since this move in the American, and you know, I didn't follow them, uh, you know, that closely when they were in the Valley, but uh, it just seems like in the American, there's just you know way more just crazy finishes like this, you know, uh, wild swings, momentum swings in games. Is that is that kind of the feel that you've got these last four years where? Now, some of these uh, games in the AAC have just had pretty crazy finishes. Yeah, certainly compared to, you know, whenever you want to mark them really, you know, 2011, 12, when they really began to, you know, become a force again in the Valley. And certainly the last three or four years, the margins of victory were, you know, they were probably 20 plus uh, quite a bit. So, yeah, I think you've got more even talent. And so it's it's been different. And certainly that's topical with Temple coming up on uh, on Sunday because those games, I think maybe Temple and SMU have been leading the, the craziness since Wichita State's been in the American. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think every one of those Temple games has been, yeah, some kind of crazy comeback in the second half by one of the teams. And obviously the SMU comeback last year for, for WSU. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Paul Tyson at the end tied his career high with 29 points. He's the fastest shocker to 100 threes. He does it in six games faster than the previous mark, which was Landry Shaman. He was named the AAC Player of the Week for the second time today. He's the conference's leading scorer, 17.6 points per game. What's the biggest difference uh, that you have seen from his game this year versus when he was a freshman last year? Is it strictly just more opportunities in the offense, or or what have you seen improvement-wise from his game? I think he's gotten better you know, driving to the basket, dribbling, those kind of things, probably making better decisions within the offense. Um, and then, yeah, I, I would say that also a, a significant chunk of it is the opportunities. And he's been the guy they've really looked to, and he's done a, a really nice job of, 
you know, being the main offensive guy and doing a lot of things for that team, no doubt. I would think he's on his way to, you know, if they're going to finish in the top two or three of the conference and he's going to lead the conference in scoring, he's going to be first team all conference. And that would be a really nice, really nice recognition for, especially for a sophomore. Yeah. And, and you've seen, you know, the Greg Marshall era from, uh, you know, start to finish. And, you know, they've always, you know, under him, they were always one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country. Now you look at the numbers this year and, you know, they're one of the worst, uh, you know, obviously just 13 games in a lot of the way about halfway, uh, to go through the season, but still, I mean, it's pretty a troubling drop off. So, just from you know your years covering uh, Coach Marshall, what what do you think? Is it as simple as him just not being there every day in practice to harp on this, or why do you think uh, you know there's been such a decline in defense or rebounding this year? I would say maybe more size and personnel and depth, especially you know up depth at center. Um, they're just not as big and as physical. You know, once you get Past Morris, Isaiah Forbear Chandler has played well at times, but he's not what I would consider, you know, a physical rebounding force. Um, I can't imagine they're not really emphasizing it and really working on it. Uh, so, yeah, good good question. I'm sure it's something that they would love to get, you know, at least back up into the middle of the conference and that standing. Uh, so far, they've been pretty successful in you know, picking up possessions in other ways, but getting beat on the boards is, is can often be a, 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 a way to lose basketball games. Certainly been a crazy year with the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of postponements, uh, especially throughout the American Conference. The Shockers are at 5-2 and two and in second place, but still two games left out there against UCF and Cincinnati, uh, or excuse me, USF and, and Cincinnati to uh, reschedule. So I, I guess kind of what's your outlook the rest of the way? Do you think they'll be able to get the rest of these games in or or how how do they handle, you know, the conference tournament and, and everything else as we go forward here with a lot of difference in the amount of games that different teams in the conference have played? Yeah, I think all that's, boy, up in the air. I, uh, you know, I guess Wichita State's been on a, uh, you know, they've done, pretty well i guess with the COVID testing i think the postponements have been related to other teams so you never know when that might change um, that's impossible to predict we were talking about the conference tournaments somewhere uh, around the office around the arena the other day and certainly it's not going to be easy to pull them off but i think so much of this is about you know you need inventory for tv so i, I would think they're going to do every effort to get those tournaments played as much as possible. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, as we've seen, it's going to be going to be difficult. Yeah. What, what has impressed you the most about this job that Isaac Brown, you know, obviously put in such a, you know, everyone's in a tough spot during the, the coronavirus pandemic, but, you know, WSU even more so, you know, with all the off season drama, uh, you know, taking over eight days before the start of the regular season. Uh, you know, replacing seven guys for them just to be in this spot, you know, nine and four, second place in the American. I think anybody would have taken that, uh, you know, two months ago when the season started. So, what, what's impressed you the most about what Coach Brown has been able to, to do with this group? I guess, big picture, I would say winning on the road. I think that's always such a hard thing to do. Uh, now, I guess, uh, you know, without the crowds, is it easier? I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what the numbers are going to tell us at the end of the season, but. I think winning on the road has been impressive. I think putting together a group that has been really good, taking care of the ball, low turnovers. Um, and then I've been impressed with the defense. Um, you know, I think most for the most part, they play hard on defense. It's won them some games. 
And I think they've done a pretty good job of continuing to play hard, even at times when shots aren't, aren't falling like you might like. So I think he's done, you know, from the big picture stuff of getting things going in the right direction on the road to the, you know, details and practices and running good practices and getting people in the right place. I think he's done a good job with a lot of that. When you're, when you're nine and four under those, the circumstances that Wichita state is in, you've done I think a, a lot of things very well. If you could pick one thing the rest of the way, either collectively as a team or one particular player, maybe to round into form for the shockers to reach their highest potential, what would that be and why? Oh, I guess, um, I would go with, uh, Alterique Gilbert or Dexter Dennis getting a little bit better from three point range. Both of them have really struggled there. I think that would obviously be helpful to give them another, uh, scoring weapon. Uh, I think Alterique Gilbert has played well. Uh, they wouldn't be where they are without him. He seems to have maybe one incident, a game where he dribbles into traffic with maybe without as much of a plan as you would like, if he could eliminate that, that turnover, one or those one or two turnovers a game, I think that would, you know, that could make a, a significant difference when you're this team and you're, you know, you're really, if you're not going to rebound great and if you're not going to shoot great, the turnovers become really important and they've done a really good job of that. But it seems like he has one or two of those kind of forays into the lane where he all of a sudden gets ensnared and three defenders and, and, and that becomes a problem. Uh, so I, I think those two are, you know, they've shown it. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of potential. Uh, if they could, you know, bump up their shooting just a bit, I think that would be really helpful for this team. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, Paul. Our listeners, of course, can follow you all season long at Roundhouse News at Paul Solentrop on Twitter. Also follow his work at GoShockers.com. Thanks a lot, Paul. You Thanks, bet. Paul. Thanks for having me. Let's move now into our game preview, starting with Wednesday's home matchup against Tulane. The Green Wave are 7-5 and five on the year, 2-5 and five in the AAC. Game tips at 7 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPN+. They are Ken Palm ranked number 178. They just beat Temple, so we're going to see both of these teams this week. They just beat Temple 81-64 to on Sunday. They split with the Owls this year. When you look at Tulane, what do you see, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that, um, you know, they're athletic. They like to play, um, you know, pretty fast pace, and they're going to try to turn you over. I mean, that's the thing that they're best at is forcing turnovers. And, uh, you know, their offense is really struggling, uh, which, I mean, actually before Sunday's game against Temple, they had really struggled. But then, you know, they showed the potential that they have by, you know, scoring 81 points in that game. But, uh, you know, still as a, as a season as a whole, you know, they rank last in effective field goal percentage on offense, uh, you know, last in offensive rebounding percentage. So they're not making shots. They're not giving themselves second chances. Uh, they don't get to the foul line very much. So uh, their offense has really kind of struggled. But, you know, you have to look at the schedule, too. You know, they play Houston twice. So, I mean, that's that's not great for your offense, uh, offensive numbers. So one of the best defenses in the country. And um, But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that WSU – like we said before, you know, if you're going to compete for the top of the conference, can't lose this one at home. You know, that's this is a game you have to hold court. You have to, you know, protect home court advantage. Uh, you know, two lanes looking like, you know, 10th or 11th place team in the conference. So, um, but, you know, they're talented. Like we've said before, you know, they have uh, they have pieces that, that can be, um, you know, effective and they have a lot of offensive talent. So, uh, you know, Jalen Forbes is coming off a big game against that, that Temple 
uh, you know, Jordan Walker, I remember him from last year, uh, the Jelly Fam creator. Um, he, he's a pretty good shooter and uh, lightning quick. So they have some uh, some pieces that can hurt you. But, you know, WSU does a good job of, of boarding out. Um, this is going to be, you know, a great chance for the Shockers to, to improve on their defensive rebounding. We talked about that all season. Uh, that's been a huge problem for WSU, getting defensive rebounds. Well, Tulane hardly gets any offensive rebounds. So this is a great chance for WSU to dominate the glass. So I think that's the biggest storyline going in to look for look for WSU to kind of exert its will and uh, for those big guys to really rack up the rebounds. That's that's what I would be looking for. Yeah, Tulane is negative in the rebounding margin on the year, minus 3.8. You did mention they like to pressure you. They are averaging 7.3 steals per game, so it'll be an important game for Altariq Gilbert and the rest of the Shocker guards. They score 64.7 points per game, allow 64.1, shoot at 37.9% from the field and 29% from three. You talked about Jalen Forbes. He's their leading scorer at 15.5. If uh, Let's go ahead and just make a prediction on this one. I think the Shocker's got to take care of business. And, and I assume you do as well. Yeah, yeah. I think WSU with the way that, uh, you know, they kind of, uh, they weren't very impressive for the first 36 minutes of, uh, of that UCF game. That's why it's kind of uh, a funny game where, you know, you you think about the last, um, I guess, nine minutes of that game, WSU was lights out. But really the first, uh, you know, 36, uh, 36 minutes, not, you know, very inspiring, a pretty sloppy defensive game. But I think WSU, I mean, that you can kind of uh, write that off to, you know, being a nine-day layoff. Now that they have a game under their belt, I think, uh, you know, they're starting to get back into that rhythm. So I think you can see, I think we you can expect a pretty complete game. And I'm going to, we just talked about how all games in the Americans seem to be close ones, but I think this is one that WSU can, can win in double digits, maybe get, you know, some of those end-of-the-bench guys into the game. I'd love to see, you know, extended minutes for Joseph Apple out, somebody like that. So. Uh, maybe we can get one of those games. And I think uh, the Shockers win this one 78-62. I'll take 71-55. You talk about Bilal. I'd like to see poor Bear Chandler get on track as as well. He had been playing some good minutes before all that layoff uh, there in, in the loss at Memphis. And so I'd like to see him get back to form as well. On Sunday, the Temple Owls come to town. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Game starts at 2 p.m. on ESPNU. The Owls are 4-5 and five on the year and 3-5 and five in the AAC. They're Ken Palm ranked number 144. They went 1-1 one and one against Tulane, as we already mentioned, but they've also beat Tulsa and beat UCF, teams that are, you know, ha- have some talent. And so, um, you know, when we talked to Paul, the, the games between the Shockers and the Owls have always seemed close these last few years. I think Finally, you know, the Shockers should have the upper hand both times this year, but but your thoughts on Temple? Yeah, Temple's one of the, you know, more surprising teams in the conference for me, at least, you know, coming into the year. I thought this team was going to be, you know, a step below everybody else, you know, probably 10th or 11th in the conference, but they've really shown, you know, more, uh, more punch than I thought, you know, beating Tulsa at home, that's a huge win. You know, they beat UCF at home, so um, they have, you know, a couple of uh, pretty decent wins, and um, but, you know, I, I just don't think that the, you know, the talent, um, you know, is there compared to years past where, you know, the Shockers and the Owls had all those great battles, you know, back and forth battles, it seems like every single time. Um, so I, I don't think that WSU, I mean, there's no Quentin Rose this year, um, guys like that. So um, this is a game, again, that WSU needs to take care of at home. You know, Tulsa's defense has really struggled uh, in conference play. Um, 
They don't turn anybody over. You know, uh, teams are shooting over 50% effective field goal percentage. So a good chance for WSU's offense to get on track, uh, maybe shoot the three ball. They, they give up a ton of threes. So um, guys like, you know, Dexter Dennis, Alterique, Trey Wade, uh, who are struggling from behind the arc, maybe they can get going in this game. So, um, yeah, this is a game where, again, I mean, the Shockers, they just have to take care of business. I mean, this is a team. Uh, that that is potent. I mean, they have a chance to to win. Like I said, I mean, if you don't play well in the American, I mean, you can get beat by anybody in this conference. So it's not like WSU can just walk into this game and expect to win just because of the name on the the front of their jersey. So they're gonna have to play well. But I think if they play well, this is a game that they're gonna win. Temple plays Cincinnati on Thursday before coming to Wichita. They average 64.3 points per game. They give up 69.1, shoot at 39% from the field, 32% from three, 67% from the charity stripe. So hopefully Shockers can get some points there. Led in scoring by 6'5", redshirt freshman guard Damian Dunn. He averages 14.1 points per game. And as I mentioned, this lineup here, the uh, versus Tulane and then versus Temple. That will be how the Shockers close out the conference season. So some tough games in between now and then, but if you can get there with a shot, if you can get there with second place wrapped up, you're you're in pretty good shape. If you had to make a prediction, Taylor, who do you got? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good week for WSU. I'm going to predict another double-digit win at home. Um, let's go 77-65. You know, Sunday about 2 p.m., I'm going to be getting the, you know, the chicken wings ready to go, getting the queso ready to go, because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Our focus is on Patty Mahomes on Sunday, not on Shocker basketball. But I think the Shockers take care of business by 12. I'll say 72 to 60. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope they play the games at this point. You know, if we, we can have a week where we actually have two Shocker games versus that long wait that we had just to get the bad taste of Memphis out of our mouth, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, can we talk about the the decision and the conference's decision to push back that game time, too? I was so disappointed. I got the email. The, the email headline was WSU. Um, Temple game push or game time changed. I thought, okay, they're moving it up because of the Super Bowl. No, they moved it back an hour. What are they doing? I know it's not going to affect fans, but I'm going to have to work. So that just cuts an hour off of my time. So I'm going to have to rush to to get it done before the Super Bowl now. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you putting in that work. The grind, in fact, does not stop, as I've heard. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, so we spent a little bit of time talking about how Wichita State had a crazy finish, but the first 36 minutes against UCF really didn't look all that particularly good for Wichita State. So buy or sell, are you chalking that up just to rust, or do you think that you know this team has to get going a little more with its energy defensively? Taylor, we'll start with you. I'm going to buy that. I think uh, you look at the shots that WSU is getting. Uh, those are shots that, you know, they're, they're great looks. So it wasn't like uh, WSU's offense was struggling to, you know, generate uh, clean looks. So I think that it was just a case of shots not falling. I think the Russ had more to do on the defensive end. I thought their defensive performance was really sloppy. You know, rotations were poor. Um, kind of like what IB said after the game is that they just – WSU did not make them feel the pressure. They didn't. UCF felt nothing from WSU's defense, whether it was in the half court or when they went to that zone. Um, UCF pretty much had their way with them. They were able to, you know, go wherever they wanted to, pass wherever they wanted to, shoot wherever they wanted to. So um, WSU did not do really anything to disrupt uh, UCF and its offense. So 
Um, that that's the part that's most concerning for me, but I'll give them a pass. Uh, nine day layoff, uh, get back into the swing of things, but we'll, we'll see if that continues over to Wednesday. But yeah, they're going to need a lot better performance on the defensive end uh, t- from here on out. I'll buy that as well. I thought it was the ultimate game of streaks. The first four minutes, I felt the Shockers were okay. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the first half really struggled. Second half, it seemed like both teams were kind of punching back and forth. Like I said, I, I liked kind of the attitude that both teams had. Even UCF, it, it seemed like they were chirping at each other a little bit. And it was just a, a you know, good old-fashioned competition with, with some good players on both sides and, and happy the Shockers prevailed in overtime. All right, so we mentioned it earlier, Tyson Etienne with the fastest to 100 career threes beating out Landry Shamit. So buy or sell, does Tyson set the shocker record for career threes? Dustin, let's start with you. Without knowing what the record is, I will buy that just because he was the fastest here by six games, and I think he's someone that would be here all four years. I think he'll be beloved after the the next two years. Now, of course, there's still the the coaching situation out there to get rounded out, but he just seems like someone who you know has got a good head on his shoulders. He's grounded and generally you know enjoys the program and the rest of the guys on the team. And uh, if he keeps playing like this, I mean. 29 points uh, was fantastic. How, you know, in the Greg Marshall era, you never expected that there'd be a shocker player that's leading the conference in scoring. I'm not saying it's different under Coach Brown here, but just it's it's different for sure. So, um, but I will buy that. All right, I'll buy that too. Uh, we just looked it up, and the, the career record is actually held by Randy Burns at 248 in his career. So, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the pace that Tyson is on, I mean, he's going to shatter that. Uh, but you know, kind of the question is, you know, if he if he stays four years, and I think uh, kind of like what Dustin said, I think he he is, you know, all the way bought into into college, and he loves Wichita State, and I think he's uh, you know really happy to be a Shocker, and you know, I think he loves you know kind of being the guy and you know leading this team. So you know, two more years of this, um, or actually, I guess he could be three more years of this. Uh, I mean, this year is kind of a free year, so. Uh, it's uh, it really could be you know a pretty special career. I mean, you could be looking at a a mark that could never be touched if he he sticks around all five years and he's eligible. So I'm going to buy that. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if I don't. I mean, the the size is only the the only thing holding him back from an NBA career. But you know, the same thing was said about Fred VanVleet. Obviously, Tyson is a little bit a different player, but. I would not, you know, bet against Tyson. I mean, he puts in so much time and effort and work. I mean, the dude is just on another level. So I would not bet against him. But I think with this this record, I think this is definitely his if if he sticks around. All right. So we talked about Tyson's prolific three-point shooting. He's sitting around 39% right now from three. However, the other three volumes shooters from three for Wichita State that are shooting more than two attempts per game, Trey Wade, Dexter Dennis, and Altariq Gilbert, all are sub-30% right now. There are two shooters that are not meeting that that criteria that are over 40% right now, which is Monzi Jackson and Ricky Council the fourth. So you've got some guys who maybe aren't shooting as much but are, are hitting from a good percentage. And you've got the guys who are shooting a lot who aren't quite hitting the percentage. But for Wichita State to finish top two, do you need to see three volume guys hitting at least 35% from three for the rest of the season? Let's start with you, Taylor. I'm going to buy that. I think they've gotten to this point. Um, 
because a little bit because of uh, you know the schedule. I think uh, I mean obviously they, they've had some pretty tough games to start, but you know you look at the second half of the season, you know two against SMU, Memphis, Houston, uh, you know uh, you know you end the year on the road. So I think the shooting is going to have to pick up a little bit. Um, and man, I, I guess I'm just going to die on this hill. I, I just think that you know. At some point, Trey Wade and Dexter Dennis are going to turn it around. Um, but, I mean, it's also true. I mean, I talk to coaches and they say, you know, it's, at some point, you know, you are what the numbers say you are. And, you know, right now, Dexter and Trey are, are mirrored in kind of that shooting club and, you know, all three twos. So it's not like they're not getting good looks. I mean, they're, they're taking pretty good looks. They're just not making them. So um, I think that's going to have to pick up a little bit if WSU wants to finish second in the conference. I'm going to buy that as well, but with the caveat of this team just seems to have the uncanny ability to win ugly. You know, there's a lot of times that I'm just screaming at the TV, and maybe I'm getting to be an old man, but I'm just screaming, what are you doing? And then for some reason, it, it seems to work out. But I agree with Taylor. You you have to have a reversion to the mean. I think Dexter starts to shoot the better. I, I think Alteric has to start to shoot the ball better. I, I keep having these this memory of that UConn game a couple years ago with him and Samaje going back and forth all down the court. So he knows how to shoot the ball, particularly in Coke Arena, and 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 hopefully that that comes out here soon. Well, yeah, three in the first what, like ten minutes. Yeah, in the, in this game, but then none afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, yeah, it's just been hot and cold all year. Yeah, I mean, even in the same game, we we talked about that that low spot was. UCF banks in a three, and then Alteric airballs one. So, I mean, it's it's hot and cold even in a 40-minute game. All right, and finally, we're going to talk a little bit about schedule, how it sets up for Wichita State and their potential for an at-large chance. So they have the home game against Houston, but outside of that game, does Wichita State have enough quality opponents to make an at-large case, or is the conference beating up on itself and gonna make it all look like a bunch of mush at the end of the season. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be buying or selling. Are you buying but that what they've I got a, say, enough quality oh, okay, opponents? Yes. I will buy that they have enough quality opponents, but they can't lose to any of these lower tier teams. So, like I said, had you lost to UCF this last Saturday, I think you really, you know, start to chop yourself off at the knee. Uh, you have to at least split with SMU. You have to take care of Memphis at home. Houston is a toss up, but you can lose to Houston and still be okay. But basically, the rest of these games you got to take care of. You got to hope you get Cincinnati and USF on your schedule as well somehow. I'm not, you know, I would maybe disagree with Taylor a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily a gauntlet schedule the rest of the way. Yes, there's some tough games, but, you know, there's been tough games throughout here already. And so it's it's mainly just, you know, against Temple, Tulane, UCF, USF, you need to go 2-0. and And Cincinnati, you need to go 2-0. And then maybe with SMU, you split. You take care of business at home against Memphis and you split. And, and then I think you got a, a fighting chance. Yeah, I mean, all – and that's, that's tough. I think uh, there's just the margin of error is so thin. So um, I'm going to buy that there's enough on the schedule. Um, but, man, WSU is going to have to finish, uh, you know, I don't think any any more than four losses in conference uh, to be in that conversation. I mean, Americans just not really getting that much respect right now. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't think um, – Man, I haven't looked at the bracket matrix, but I don't think there's another team that's comfortably in right now. I think SMU would probably probably be my guess for you know the second team in the American as it stands right now. WSU would probably be you know in the mix. Uh, 
I mean, Memphis, they have a lot to overcome in their non-conference. So they're going to have to, you know, pretty really good down the stretch. So, man, that's just, it's so tough because uh, kind of like what you said, I mean, the, the middle just kind of beating up on each other. And, and Dustin is right. I mean, the, the schedule is there's a lot more easier games uh, in the second half of the schedule. But I guess I'm just kind of focused on, you know, who uh, playing SMU twice, uh, and, you know, a game against Houston. Uh, you know, you still have that road game against Cincinnati. So East Carolina, um, I didn't bring them up. You got to take care of business East Carolina as well. <laughs> and uh, Memphis at home. So, I mean, there, there's a, there's tough games. Uh, I think there's more. Uh, you're you're going to have to come out of that with, you know, definitely a winning record. Like I said, I don't, I don't think you have more lo- more than four losses in the American. I don't think that's going to be good enough to, to get in at large. So I think it's going to come down to the conference tournament season. I think they're, they can at least put themselves in that conversation if they're around that four to five uh, loss mark. So, um, but yeah, I think I'll, I'll buy it that there's enough, but I think the margin of error is very, very thin. I mean, if they do win all those games, so let's say they end up with four losses. So yeah. you have a loss to, to Houston, maybe at home and a loss on the road to SMU and you beat everybody else. I guess it, it matters too. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if you if you beat Houston at home, then obviously you have more wiggle room. Uh, it just kind of depends on who the losses are to. Um, I mean, ideally they would be two two losses on the road, and you just win out at home, and then you're in the mix. So I, it does matter who you lose to. But I think if you get to the, about that four loss mark, then that that should be good enough to to you know be in that ten, eleven, twelve range. All right. So you got a story on Monzi Jackson coming up this week, Taylor. Yeah, story on Monzi. Uh, it's kind of you know similar to you know the one uh, Paul Solentrop wrote, who we talked to. I mean, he had a really good story on Monzi earlier this season on the Roundhouse, and uh, kind of a similar look, but kind of tying it into last uh, last game against UCF. Uh, if you if you notice, he wore those pink shoes that WSU wore last year in the pink out game, and uh, that meant a lot to him because you know his mom was actually in attendance. Uh, breast cancer survivor and uh, if you read that Paul story you know just how strong that connection between mother and son is so just kind of looking at that relationship and how special that is and uh, yeah I mean Clarence is a really special really special dude and uh, you know uh, really love getting to to know him and uh, yeah I mean he's easy to root for and just the way that he plays I mean he's I mean he just it looks like he wants the ball more than anybody else and he kind of has that Richard Kelly mindset of like i'm just gonna chase i mean i don't care how dire the circumstances look i'm gonna go chase every offensive rebound no matter what so if you actually watch you know go back and watch the film on uh, some of those offensive rebounds nobody else on wsu crashed the glass i mean it was one on four basically monzi versus four ucf guys and he won that battle two times uh the one the important was the one in uh, overtime they're down 84 79 uh really on the in that danger zone, Altreek misses a driving layup. Uh, Clarence is actually on the in the corner on the three-point line when the shot goes up, and he just goes, you know, ball to the wall, straight to the rim, and it hangs on the rim just a second longer than what UCF thought. And uh, that just because he put himself in that position, he was able to you know snatch that rebound and and get that and one that kind of brought WSU back to life. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just little details like that. It's just, you know, you can't overstate how important that is. And that's what IB talked about. You know, that's, you know, he knew 
only Clarence Jackson is going to make that play for WSU in that situation. He's the one that's going to crash the glass every single time, and that's why he's in there. So, um, yeah, just kind of a, a story looking at how big of an impact he made in that, that win and then uh, also kind of detailing that re- relationship, that special bond he has with his mom. Final question, Super Bowl prediction. Oh, you're going to do this to us right now? Oh, I'm going I'm going all in on the Chiefs minus three. That's That's the play right there. I think this is a game where uh, where they could win by. I'm pretty pretty bullish on on the Chiefs' offense, and I, I think they're just going to you know you're going to have to score 30 plus to beat them, and I don't know if the Bucks can do that. So um, I think this is a game the Chiefs can win by by 10. There you I'll go. 38-28. I'm going to go 35-24. Uh, Ooh, man. You boys are confident. I'm confident, too. I don't know if I'm that confident. <laughs> I will say 31-24 Chiefs. I will say, though, Tom Brady getting to the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks in his first year kind of tells you how much he actually meant to the Patriots all those years. Yeah, going through Aaron Rodgers, uh, beat Drew Brees to end his career. They beat the Washington football team, which isn't too hard. But, I mean, three three <laughs> wins there in a row, I'll, I'll take it. But, Patty, you know, this is this is the adult goat playing the baby goat. So we'll, we'll see who prevails. Put some respect on Taylor Heineke's name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you listening. Have a great week. We'll be back next week to talk UCF and, I believe, SMU, if I'm correct. And uh, we will, of course, recap the Tulane and Temple games for you. Have a great week. And, Taylor, what should they do? It is five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.